and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast, supported this month by Spillers. I'm Alex Robinson, showing editor here at Horse and Hound. I hope everyone's had a lovely Christmas and is looking forward to the new year. I've had a little bit too much turkey and a few mulled wines along the way, but I've also enjoyed our local Boxing Day hunt. I've been on lots of hacks with my horses. I'm just enjoying a bit of a break really, but yeah, I hope everyone's had a lovely festive period. So this month we bring you an interview with amateur show rider Florian Gilston who's going to tell us a little bit about her backstory, how she juggles showing with work and she's also got a little bit of advice for the new year for those who are looking to bring the heat in the show ring next year. I think hard work and determination are definitely something that you've got to have. I would definitely say to keep it fun. Winter's long, it's hard, there's no dispute in that. Whether that's going to the beach or a farm ride or jumping, doing pole work, keep it fun for yourself and your horse. Otherwise you will fall out of love of just going around the school. Then we'll hear from Spillers nutritionist Vanessa Allen and Red Wings lead vet Nikki Jarvis who will give us some insight on feeding senior horses. The main part of a horse's diet, whatever you know, is their primary source of calories, it has a huge effect if they've gone from usually eating six kilos overnight to suddenly only managing five. If that's every day, that's obviously a good portion of their diet that they're no longer consuming. So there's plenty to get through, so I hope you relax, enjoy the podcast, let's get going. Welcome to this month's Horse and Hound guest interview. We're very lucky to have Florian Gilston here with us. She is a very successful amateur show rider who produces our horses from home and has enjoyed many, many victories in the show ring uh, in her 24 years. She was crowned home-produced Pretty Polly Supreme at the Royal International in both 2021 and 2022, riding the intermediate Carnesdale Let It Be, who she's also ridden at Hoys multiple times. She has also stepped stepped up to horse classes um, in the last few years very successfully, which we all know isn't a very easy transition, but she's um, absolutely smashed it with her middleweight and ladies ride, Killia Silver Diamond, another home-produced horse, um, and he featured at Hoyes in both those classes this year. And Florian was actually awarded the Show Rider of the Year Award for her performance on Carnesdale Let It Be at Horse the Year Show in October that was chosen by the legendary showing Supremo Alistair Hood. So yes, that was an amazing achievement for her and she juggles all this around full-time work so thank you for joining us Florian how are you very good thank you thank you for having me I feel very honored to be here so thank you for the opportunity (laughs) absolutely no problem thank you for joining us so so Florian how did you get into horses and and more specifically showing are you from a horsey family Yes, so my mum and my grandma both had horses so I've always been around them since a young age my mum did have her own heavyweight hunter um, while I was younger and it was always a family affair going to horse shows. So granddad would groom for her in the ring, grandma would sit and babysit me and we would watch mum compete. So oh. I've always been around them from a young age, definitely. Brilliant. When did you first get into the ring? Were you on the lead rein? Yes, so I first uh, I first competed on the lead rein. I did lead rein astride and also side saddle. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> my mum was trained by Roger Philpot and then mum taught me. So I have learned 
from very good sources for the side saddle side of it all. Um, so I've, I've been riding since the age of two and mm-hmm. I can't remember when I started side saddles. It probably was when I was quite young. <laughs> um, but I do remember being on the lead rein size saddle age six um, and actually I now wear my mum's habit that she used to wear. So that's quite a nice family thing um, as I now compete as I'm older. Oh, that's lovely. And do you remember kind of growing up any of your, you know, main ponies? Because I know we, we all kind of have that first one horse or pony who kind of gives us the bug or gets us going. Do you remember your kind of first main horse or pony? Yes. So I was, I've always been lucky to have safe ponies that my mum has made sure I've always enjoyed my riding. And I do think that is definitely an important thing, especially when you're younger and getting into a sport that my mum never rushed me or forced me into it and we didn't really go affiliated until I was in my teenage years properly so Mm. I do think that that's something that kept me going but obviously I was lucky to have some very good ponies so one of them would have been Gwilanet Ross who was a Welsh section C who I did a lot of side saddle on from the ages of eight years old Um, and I did all the concourse elegance classes on him and we just had fun and he was safe pony I could just think it and he would do it and we loved competing so he would definitely have been one of them while I was younger for certain. Brilliant and did you ever kind of fancy going into horses as a job or was it always something that was going to be a hobby for you? For me it's always been something as a hobby Mm. just because I have utmost respect for everybody that does work with horses um but I always wanted to have it as a hobby as something on the side and I didn't yeah. want to almost potentially lose my love for it by spending all the time with the horses and I, I obviously I've had horses uh, whilst I've been at university and now in my full-time job and I do think it's good to have another string to your bow it's something I could always have gone into if I wish to do so but it's not something I wish to do at the moment I would always want to keep it as a hobby yeah, and just just talking about your career. So, uh, you're a wedding manager, if I've if I've got that correct. Yes, that's correct. Brilliant. And how and how did you get into that? Was that something you'd always wanted to do, or did you kind of stumble into it by accident? It was actually something I came into just by chance, really. So, I did an event management course at university, and I initially wanted to go more into the sport or corporate event side of everything. So, I did. Um, a bit of work experience at Aintree Equestrian Centre uh, helping them with bits and bobs like the Grand National so you can obviously see the sport and corporate side of that um, so I did want to go more into that route when finishing university but as I finished in 2021 um, it was the end of obviously Covid times and people were desperate to get married and catch up with all the, the backlog that has been there from Covid so there was a demand for weddings to get going whereas there wasn't mm. as much of a demand for sport or corporate events so that's why I actually went down into the weddings route and I'll have been there three years in May so it's gone very quickly oh, <laughs> uh, I've done about 200 weddings now so I've done quite a few and seen quite a few different things. <laughs> Brill. And what's your favourite part of the job? Uh, I would say that every day work is different, which mm. isn't something that off everybody has at their jobs. So that is lovely because it's different people, it's different crowds, it's different love stories and speeches and wedding yeah. dresses and all the other fun parts to it. And it is a happy place to work because for most people it's one of the happiest days of their lives. So mm. it is always a nice 
environment to be around if that makes oh, any sense yeah definitely and how do you kind of fit the horses in around work because I mean I can imagine you know if you're doing it yourself or with family you know it's getting up early before work and then after work and especially in winter at this kind of time it it is hard how do you fit I guess you know daily horse care and producing them at top you know to the top level and shows around around such a you know a hectic career I'm very, very lucky to have my mum and she is a massive support system with my competing but also with everything behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And when I do work a wedding day, I can be there sometimes 12, 14 hours. Mm. So you can appreciate that's not ideal for when having horses. So especially in the winter with the darker nights that we have at the moment, it's a lot of lunging with the arena lights on or they're just having a bit of downtime at the moment. But as you've mentioned, it's lots of mucking out or working before I go to work um, or working afterwards and bits and bobs. I I am fortunate that some days of my job I can work from home. So I'll often go and ride in a lunch break. I do live three minutes away from my mum and dad, so I'm very lucky Mm -hmm. for that side of it, uh, that I can quite literally just nip over. um, Or I'll work later on into the evenings and start later in the morning. So I'm lucky there's a bit of flexibility with my job to cater for, for the horses and the requirements. Brilliant. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, so Killia Silver Diamond, he is your main horse. Um, he is a middleweight hunter. Um, could you just tell me a little bit about him? What, what do you call him at home, Florian? He's called Danny, but we quite often call him Darling Danny because darling, <laughs> he, he quite darling. literally is a darling. He's 16'3", but he is so gentle and kind and he's very good with non-horsey dad and non-horsey fiance and Mm -hmm. he's a lovely horse to own and he genuinely is he's the ideal horse to have home produced or anything like that because he doesn't matter to him if you ride him every day or you ride him once a week he'll stand on the lorry he'll doesn't need much working in and he is a lovely horse to ride you, you feel like you're at home when you ride him. So I am very, very lucky to, to well, my parents own him, but I'm very lucky to, to have him and um, we adore him. Oh, so how, how did he kind of come about? Where, where did you find him? Um, it was actually a case of, unfortunately, I had a, a run of bad luck with my own horses in the 2020. At the end of 2020 and the start of 2021, I unfortunately lost two within five months due to completely different things. But understandably, it was a real knock to myself and mum because Mm. we love and adore our horses. They never want or need anything. They have everything they could want or need before us. Um, And you just have horses are just bad luck sometimes. So we, we did run into a bit of bad luck and I couldn't find another intermediate that I liked so I, I wanted an intermediate show hunter and to then do the working hunters or, or one of the other vice versa so I said to mum well what would we have wanted after an intermediate working hunter or show hunter and it was a middleweight hunter so yeah. we saw just a very simple advert on Facebook and it literally just said 16-3 to a nine-year-old Irish draft um, would make a show horse and I just inquired out of curiosity and he was the first horse we viewed and we knew as soon as we saw him um, so we were very lucky to to find him when we did definitely. Wow and he went to Hoys this year in, in both classes didn't he the ladies and the middleweight. Yes. How, how, how's it been to step up to those classes because I mean you're, you're only 24 and you know you're competing against some you know really top professionals how have you found the transition and what's been your secret to stepping up with success because I know it's a transition many do try but you know they get 
kind of put off if they're not having success but yeah how have you found the found the transition I found I have ridden in horse classes now uh, probably since the age of 17 so I did find that when first looking to move into the horse classes, watching classes and watching the class that you wish to compete in was something that was very helpful. And also asking the professionals or the knowledgeable show riders for any, I don't know, any support or questions that you might have, ask them. Um, and especially turnout is something that I'm I'm a little bit OCD with or <laughs> try my best, especially with grey horses. But it's making sure that you're correct in your turnout in the in the ring but also in your ring etiquette and making sure mm. that a lot of the time when you watch a class you frustratingly sometimes you can spot people with good ring craft where it should be that everybody should hopefully have a good ring craft not just an exception it should be the rule really so i do think being respectful in the ring is something that you should be in any age group of any classes but in the horse mm. classes they do seem to be a little bit easier to ride in the ring sometimes mm -hmm. um but the for ride judging side of it which is obviously a massive part of the horse classes i always try and make sure that any of the horses i compete are used to different jockeys so smaller jockeys taller jockeys male female jockeys and especially in the side side classes um obviously for somebody new to get on your horse and then you have to bear in mind different things such as them adjusting a stirrup or sorting the habit out and you have to make sure that your horse is used to all of that so it's doing your homework definitely um would help super so horse the year horse of the year show this year you had a, a brilliant show and you were awarded the show rider of the year award which is a new prize presented to um a single rider in each of the intermediate championships for you know i guess the the rider that um alistair hood who was the judge of that competition this year thought was you know gave the best performance and you were awarded that title how was that for you to win that um and especially to be presented by alistair hood amazing and something i still can't really believe that the quality of the riders and also the ponies in that class was exceptional. So I genuinely didn't think I would have even been considered for it. Uh, I was first to do my show, which is always, <laughs> um, always a bit stressful when, especially at any show, but particularly at Hoy's when the whole of the top spec arena is watching you and all the other riders are watching you for the set show. And it, it was a set show that you did have to plan where you were going for definite and be accurate with your riding. Mm. and. For example, the judge wanted two canters on the straight and two gallops. So it was making sure that I knew exactly where I was going with it all. So I just tried my best, but obviously it was good enough. Yeah. So I'm very, <laughs> I feel very fortunate to have been awarded that. So oh, Fabulous. Um, I guess just to finish off, Florian, it would be nice, you know, um, so we're nearly into the into the new year, into 2024. Everyone's hopefully, you know, trying to find that little bit of motivation to get going for the season because it'll soon be around. What what are some of your, you know, top tips for managing to juggle work, showing and, you know, well, showing at top level? Is there any secrets to your success or is it literally just hard work and, you know, determination? I think hard work and determination are definitely something that you've got to have because you have to make a lot of sacrifices with horses and you mm. have to make sure that you know what you want to achieve from it or certainly have some aims but also I would definitely say to keep it fun winter's long it's hard there's no dispute in that whether that's going 
out to the beach or a farm ride or jumping, doing pole work. Keep it fun for yourself and your horse because otherwise you will fall out of love of just going around the school because we unfortunately don't have fields to canter around and do mm. some of the lovely things that we can do in the summer. And do have have aims in mind, but don't set something that might stress you out or put any pressure on yourself. Just enjoy your horse and enjoy your riding. And that's something I try to do um, mm-hmm. all, all year round, really. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Florian. We can't wait to follow your successes next year with your with your horses. And yeah, thank you so much and hope you have a lovely new year. Thank you very much, Alex, and thank you again for the opportunity. Thank you, Florian. Now it's time to hear some advice from the sponsors of this episode, Spillers. Spillers nutritionist Vanessa Allen is joined by Nikki Jarvis, the lead vet at Red Wings. Over to you, Vanessa. Hi, so I'm Vanessa. I work for Spillers and I've been a nutritionist with Spillers for 10 years. So I'm here today to talk about um, feeding senior horses and I'm very happy to welcome guest Nikki Jarvis, who's the lead vet at Red Wings. Hi, Vanessa. Lovely to be here. It's definitely one of my favourite subjects. Uh, the longer I work with horses, the more I realise it's, it, it's the senior horses uh, with incredible personalities and, yeah, they're a joy to work with. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the things that's really clear with our care line callers is we have a huge number of senior horse owners. So, um they're very passionate owners who really love their horses, haven't owned them for a long time and really want to do the best by their horses. And it's amazing that, you know, we get so many calls and we can help. So um, it's a passionate subject, something I'm also really engaged with and something where I think, you know, we can really make a difference to the horse's welfare. 100%. One of the things that I think about the older horses, um, many of them can be incredibly stoic. So there can be uh, many low-grade conditions going on, particularly things like uh, dental pain, where you might not know straight away there's a problem. The other thing I find about the older horse is so many of the changes one associates with ageing. So you might expect to see, you know, greying hairs around the face. Um, You might expect to see these longer coats perhaps reduce muscle and top line um even sometimes people feel that seeing quidding where 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 they're dropping food from the mouths might be something you'd expect in an older horse all of these signs are often signs of a, a veterinary problem and something that we need to be addressed so it's really important to um divide up what is normal aging and what actually is a clinical sign so that's why i find older horses so interesting Absolutely, Nikki. And I um, I think sort of one of the earlier signs, with, we get a lot of people obviously ring and saying, oh, my horse is 15 um, and it's unaware it's getting old. And then we have other people that call us and say, oh, I've got a 25-year-old that's full of the joys of spring. So having a number that an age doesn't help at all with ageing. And I, I, I think that you'd probably agree with that. And that the individual horse owner it's very much about them noticing the changes and, and, and even earlier before some of those perhaps more serious changes you've mentioned. So slight muscle loss or just a slightly reduced performance, um, very excitable young horses that perhaps just, you know, are a little bit calmer. And is that just the very first signs of ageing that they're just maturing 
and then along come other issues such as the dental things slightly later and and the one thing that having seen thousands of horses in this role I, I tend to sort of look at a horse externally having never seen it before and I think that's old because they tend to get sort of muscle loss around the withers and and that for me is is a sort of a first sign and I appreciate horses are all different confirmation sizes shapes etc but that's a really clear sort of loss of muscle in that area of and um, then other things start to follow I would sort of say by by noticing not not through science but what other things would you notice because you obviously have a significant herd at Red Wings we do yes yeah we've got lots of um our golden oldies so um that's really interesting you mentioned about um certain areas of muscle loss and I do think you're absolutely right that it can be much harder to keep um muscle mass um particularly on the very aged horses you know the ones in the sort of 25s and yeah. 30s so I mean it is a known thing that the very aged horses you will get this um overall you'll start to notice a little loss of muscle mass but I think it's really important to also check out something as simple as osteoarthritis now osteoarthritis does start to affect the older horse particularly if it's had a really active life or perhaps it hasn't got the best confirmation to start with you know you've had this added wear and tear on the joints uneven weight loading perhaps the horse has been overweight for a lot of its life and again there's been this increased loading through the joints so if you get osteoarthritis say uh, you have bilateral um, hock osteoarthritis because the horse isn't flexing and because it's moving in a different way you may start to notice muscle loss over the gluteal area and it's simply because they're not moving appropriately because you know they're feeling pain and discomfort so again if you notice um, muscle loss it's really worthwhile getting those horses checked out because it it could be that they've got a lameness there or a bilateral lameness so if they're lame on both back legs evenly it can be incredibly hard to to, to see that and spot the signs because it, you know if you trot them up they kind of look level because they're, they're they're just as bad on either side so I think it is worth seeking an expert opinion if you notice that muscle wasting just to make sure you're not missing a source of pain as well um, so so yeah I'd really in encourage that and you mentioned about horses becoming a little bit quieter um, and really agree with that, really agree with that, Vanessa, because again, reasons for them being quieter could be low-grade chronic pain because we've, we've all been there, we've all had an injury. It does make you kind of feel a bit lonely in a crowd. Um, You're noticing that these horses just perhaps stand to the side if they're in a herd or they're, you know, that's even right. if it's two or three, they're, they're perhaps always the last one to come to the gate where they weren't in the past. And really yeah. small things that, change very slowly over time absolutely spot on and I think that also is going to have an impact as you know Vanessa on on their weight so things like low-grade chronic pain is is it, it really suppresses your appetite I mean whenever yeah you know I've not felt well the last place you'll find me is in the fridge um and raiding it in my normal manner and I think also if 
if an owner goes out to a field and there's several horses on there, they're putting feed out, um, say a, a nice fresh bale of um, hay or haylage, then if they don't know that the older horse is being pushed out from the group, is, 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 do you know what I mean, is not feeling quite as high up as the pecking order they used to be because they don't feel well, or they, you know, they, the youngsters are the stronger, the fitter, the sounder horses, um, they are going to start to lose weight. Another thing I have also noticed, um, sometimes if horses, as they get older, arthritic, they often don't lie down at night to sleep and they become fearful of, 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 of going down to lie down or maybe lying down in the shelter be because they know they're going to struggle to get up and I think therefore they have poorer quality sleep and sometimes you'll notice younger horses by day are out grazing and the older horses having a snooze in the corner now, if yeah. all the horses are snoozing, that's that's quite normal behaviour because they have grazing time and loafing time and snoozing time, and that that's fine. But if you constantly notice the older horses standing away from the group, is really quiet, appears incredibly sleepy, then again, it's worthwhile looking for sources of underlying, um, you know, pain, just low grade pain, and it won't necessarily be obvious. So, I think I think you and I have said this before: time spent at just standing at the fence line and watching your older horse is so valuable. It's 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 yeah. incredibly valuable. And one of the things I really pick up with people with the the horses that are struggling to hold their weight, the older horses, is um, they've exactly as you've said. If they're just a bit tired or there's a really low grade pain, something that I hadn't really thought about before I I'd started working at Spillers was. Um, you know, arthritic changes in the jaw or in the neckline, because we don't tend to think of those. We tend to think of lameness and actually just being, you know, slower to eat because you're less comfortable. You might be have, you know, your teeth may be fine, but just to slightly slower eating means that in a 24 hour period, you're just not eating as much as you were. So you're still able to eat and you're not quitting the amount, the, the actual volume is lower and therefore you, they, some of these sources are just not getting the calories that they need to maintain their weight as which they previously did and it doesn't need to be a big difference again it's just those subtle things and like you said Nikki just keep really watching your horse for changes um, even if that's once a week you try and say right I'm going to spend an extra 10 minutes today at the yard just you know admiring my horse in the field and, and um, enjoying them a little bit more rather than rushing home. <laughs> Absolutely. You make a really good point as well about potential of osteoarthritis within the joint in the jaw, um, but also the neck. Um, so it's something that we occasionally notice is that a, a, a horse, maybe a horse that's losing weight, um, that's maybe a horse that's fed, gets extra feed, but it's fed from the floor. Um, and if yeah. you can imagine, if you've got pain in your neck or even in your front legs, putting yeah, um, your head down to eat it shifts the weight right over those um, front legs um, so if you've got foot pain or pain in, 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 in the knees um, or pain in the neck then lowering the head to eat is actually a jolly uncomfortable position but we all assume that's what horses do so therefore it must be comfortable but and but, we say um, that's normal and they should be doing it but actually they should, yeah. the point is perhaps not all of them should be anymore 
Definitely, I have found a few horses. Obviously, it's important to also get the backup of getting it checked out by a vet in case pain relief is, is required. But quite a few horses respond to them being fed just a simple manger over the gate or just a raised feeder of some description. And you're just bringing them extra comfort. Yeah, and, and hay bars as well in the stable. Yes. And anything, yeah. you know, if they're stabled horses. And sometimes, again, if you're putting a manger um, on the stable door, just consider that perhaps the old horse, if you're on a busy yard, doesn't want to have its head by the stable door with all the other horses coming past or being tied up outside. Maybe you're better off trying to put your, um, your feed manger or hay bar at the back of the stable so it's a quiet spot for them. Some may prefer it at the front. They like to watch and, and they'll only do... So the wall of death spinning round to see what's happening, but but some like a quiet spot. So again, consider where you put your hay bar or manger, not just right here's here's something off the floor. Very good points, Vanessa. Really good points. We have plenty of horses at Red Wings when they're in our intensive care boxes. Um, some want their hay net hung um, close to the horse in the stable next door, and others that puts them off eating and you have to move it to the other side of the stable. So really good point, Vanessa. Yeah. And I think on some of these, you know, busy livery yards that we often visit, some horses are really at home on a busy yard and thrive. and Others don't. Mm. And again, when they're older, that probably has a, a bigger effect on, on the horse's well-being overall. So, and, the, and, and, and as we said, you know, older horses, we often think, oh, the old matriarch, but yeah, they're, they're not all. So again, treat them all as an individual and um, really tailor how you manage them, not just feed, but your overall management, such as positioning things and time of day, you may do things around your horse and, and you know them best. Absolutely. And I think that transpires also to the just just grazing. We all assume in the in, in, in the summer, maybe we've got some nice grass. If your horse is, is a horse that is allowed um, pasture, hasn't got to be limited for any reason, then if you if your paddock is like a one in 10 incline and um, you've got your shelter and your water and your forage, they're all positioned in different places, then the older horse may in fact struggle with slopes, struggle to ambulate around the field or again be pushed out as we've said earlier. And sometimes even the grass lengths, um, I mean, some of the old horses when I go to do their dentals their incisors are so challenged that um, I can't even use a standard dental gag I have to pad it up and I have to adapt um, because yeah. um, if you see some of the smiles on our older horses um, <laughs> they are quite spectacular they are quite spectacular. No. Also, there is, um, there is a condition that I think uh, um, we're becoming increasingly aware of in the older horse, um, shortened to E-O-T-R-H. And basically, it's a disease of the incisors. Sometimes it also in fact, um, affects the um, first premolars, possibly even the canines, where the bone around those incisors so so the sockets that the teeth sit in the bone starts to actually start to uh, dissolve and uh, the teeth become incredibly painful to the extent that even if you tap on them with your fingers it produces quite a 
violent reaction in the horse. Ultimately, these teeth become wobbly. But if you if you examine the mouth, these teeth are painful. There's a huge inflammation of the gums. So if they have this condition, EOTRH, then it is really important to know about it and get it treated. Um, so if you've got an older horse where all of a sudden his treat has always been a carrot, but he no longer wants to bite that carrot, or you notice this quite dramatic weight loss or um, a foul smell, inflammation around the incisors, uh, which is one part of the mouth we most of us can access without a gag, um, yeah. then do, do, do call your vet immediately. Um, it's something we're becoming a lot more aware of. And I think that leads us on really nicely to sort of one of the key areas with actual feeding of the senior horse is... Um, the increased number of mashes that are out there now and um, forage replacers. And, and with all the forage replacers, of course, it's really is important that you establish how much hay that your horse or haylage your horse is able to eat. And again, that comes back to just watching your horse. So it may be that, you know, you feed your horse six to eight kilos of, of forage overnight time most of the time it's nearly gone but keep an eye is is there some you know being trashed into the stable bedding are they walking it into their straw and you're not noticing so that once this sort of weight loss starts and you maybe notice the dental challenges or the slowing of grinding their food and their teeth um you sort of have your suspicions that the dental health isn't great then that's where perhaps um you need to start thinking about a forage replacer because obviously forage is the the main part of a horse's diet, whether that's hay, haylage, grass, whatever, you know, is their primary source of calories, it, it has a huge effect if they've gone from usually eating six kilos overnight to suddenly only managing five. And you might, you know, a one kilo difference, it's not huge, but over time, if that's every day, that's obviously, you know, a good portion of their diet that they're no longer consuming. So with a forage replacer, and I know at Red Wings you use these a lot with the old horses, it Absolutely. really is a case, yeah, of calculating that how much they're not eating and really replacing that like for like. So if, like I say, if your horse would always normally have a six kilo net, and, and it's important to know how much your horse is fed. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it just gets a bucket full on the a tub full on the floor or, oh, I give it a big net. But actually how much does that big net weigh in the first place because different hay bales are really different in density so like i say if you work out that your horse is always having six kilos a night time and it's only managing five realistically and really practical and simple it needs one kilo of forage replacer and it's not just about replacing the calories, but it's also about replacing the fibre that it's no longer consuming and looking after the digestive system itself. Um, we would always say a horse should have no less than 1.5% of their body weight in forage per day. And that's to ensure that the um, digestive system is kept working as it should. Horses are grazers and should be eating little and often. That 1.5% can often be confused. Um, it's 1.5% dry matter, which again, pr in practical terms, hay has a 
roughly 15% water content. So when you weigh out your hay, you're actually weighing out about 1.8% of the horse's body weight in forage, not 1.5. So it's a little bit higher than you may have originally thought. And again, it's really important that you meet that. There may be horses which are on extreme cases where um, your individual vet has, has said lower. And if that horse is under veterinary supervision, then of course, work with your vet. But as a feed company, we would always say no less than 1.5% by dry matter. Um, and of course, if you're feeding haylage, that's much higher because that may be 30 or 40% water content in that forage. And then you may actually need to feed more like 2% of their body weight um, or perhaps even higher if it if it is sort of on the higher water content end of the spectrum. So if you're in any doubt, because that probably seemed like lots of numbers, then do call a nutritionist. Um, if you can give as much information and know your horse's body weight, that's fantastic because it really helps them calculate the amount of forage that your horse should be having per day. Um, and then you can really build your horse's diet around their body weight and their body condition. With that forage um, number, obviously with these older horses that are poor doers, they're highly likely to need way more than that 1.5%. But those good doers that perhaps have metabolic challenges, um, as Nikki mentioned, it, you know they are really common. Horses are living longer, so we're seeing more of them that's where those horses would be the ones who are on the sort of the lower end. So that ration of a minimum of one and a half percent. And yeah, obviously, if they can only eat half of that six kilos hay, then you're going to need to replace half of that with a forage replacer. So um, if your horse is a good doer, it may only need a low calorie forage replacer. So the Spillers Speedy Mash Fibre is a great option for that. If they tend to be a poor doer, then the Spiller Senior Super Mash is our higher calorie option. And I know, Nikki, you use both of those for your team of horses at Red Wings with real success, don't you? We do, we do. Um, I think it's because what's nice about the products is they've got slightly different flavours. So you can always find a flavour that the horse loves. Um, and they've got very quick soak times which obviously is very advantageous um, because if you've got very long soak times it's quite hard to get the the temperature right for feeding because I think I think old people um sorry old people older horses you can tell how fond I am of them old people um they do love particular temperature food um, so particularly in the winter I think it's really important that if they've got um, particularly dental issues sometimes their teeth can be a little bit sensitive so I think feeding something that's ice cold soaked in ice cold is not going to sort of improve their appetite it's not going to encourage them to want to take in this meal you've made so I think it's it's really important that it's uh, it's just got that lukewarm I think it enhances uh, what the horse can smell don't forget our horses can smell uh, they can taste so again always make it up super fresh in a nice clean bucket um, because you do need to sort of um, treat them almost the same as you, you you would treat yourself if 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 you needed extra support you'd want something that was tasty you'd want it uh, not to be chilled and you'd want it to be made up really freshly so I think those are the things that 
are important and also because it is a um it is a a product that you soak don't forget it does increase in volume so i think once you've worked out your forage replacer that you need for the day as um vanessa's described so well there i think what you need to do is then divide that between as many small meals as you can because when they soak they are going to bulk up in volume and some of these older horses do you know what I mean they can't do too much in one sitting they like to they like to be as little as often and obviously that's how the horse was designed little and often so we want to encourage trickle feeding uh, wherever we can so if you are able to go back to the yard later on and do a last little feed for these uh, horses that can't manage long fiber very well that you know that is absolutely great really awesome um, another thing I did just want to mention because as Vanessa said it's important to know that your horse is struggling with uh, forage and it's just some couple of extra sort of ideas for how how you can sort of assess your horse a little bit better again going back to the watching horse over the fence I think is incredibly important if you've got a an older horse that's maybe just starting to quit and it's kept with some younger horses believe you me young horses love what I would cheerfully call fast food so pre-prepared uh -huh. food that's been half eaten by somebody else dropped on the floor I mean that's the bonus isn't it they could they so you might not know your older horse is quitting if it's out in a group because everyone else is very helpful yeah. and tidies up um <laughs> and then another thing i have noticed with with older horses now there are other causes of it so this isn't the only cause but when they don't chew properly the that they don't break down the fiber um, the, the fibre into small particles. So when their teeth are working well with these beautiful enamel grinding surfaces, they break down um, the, 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 the forage into quite short fibre particle lengths. Okay, so, um, and those pass through the gut and there is nothing else beyond the teeth that actually shorten the fibre particle length. There's nothing else down the whole chain of the lovely horse's long intestine that will shorten it. So, they, so you can tell how well the teeth are working by the size of the fibre particles in the horse's droppings. Um, and as a vet, as you know, we all like to rummage around in horse's droppings. We are strange creatures. Um, but it is so valuable. If you're pulling out long fibre particles from the horse's droppings, they're not chewing properly at the front end and you, and you need to go looking investigating chat to your vet chat to your fully qualified dentist and find out you know what could be going on there the other thing is if you have these longer fiber particles what they can do is draw through extra water with them now this doesn't present as diarrhea because diarrhea is diarrhea and needs checking out um, by your vet but you may find a horse passes beautiful normal droppings but then it's followed by a light gravy a small amount of gravy uh, a little bit of a jus and it tends to be the, that sticky liquid just on the back legs just on the hocks and if you're finding your horse passes totally normal droppings but you've just got this very small amount of liquid comes through afterwards again I'd be wanting to get those teeth checked so just some couple of extra tips for 
how to check if there might be dental problems. And obviously, aside from the obvious ones of quidding, any foul smell for the mouth, food pocketing in the cheeks, um, head shaking, they're all different symptoms of why you might have a problem there. And obviously, weight loss itself being one of the most obvious. And back to droppings, because as you say, it's a favourite subject. We love droppings. Obviously, yeah, obviously count them. You know, yep. if you think your horse isn't eating very much, you know, would they normally do 12? Again, know what's normal for your horse. Perhaps they're only doing 11 or 10. Subtle differences. Such a good tip. But again, they're probably perhaps just not getting enough fibre in that diet. Um, yeah, another thing to say is, and your vet will probably flag this, if you've got an older horse, not only the weight loss, but if you if you get an older horse that um, develops choke, so um, esophageal choke, those horses probably do need their mouse checked because it may be they didn't chew the, the forage properly and it ended up in far too big a ball with too long fibre. So they, these older horses, as, as, as the teeth fail, they are at increased risk of esophageal choke. But the other one is if you're finding your horse quite regularly is suffering from impaction colic, that again could imply they're not chewing properly because like we said, the teeth are the only thing shortening that fibre particle length. So that's it really, really important. Again, more signs to look out for. Um, so I guess if we sort of then go back to choosing a diet for the old horses, we sort of covered the mm. forage, things to look for, um, forage replacers, when to ask for help if you're not sure. Um in terms of formulating a diet, I think we often say, well, what, what does the old horse need that's different to the young horse? And it, if you've got a very healthy, you know, semi-senior horse in sort of their teen years, early 20s, you may not need to change the diet in any way whatsoever. All horses should be fed a balanced diet. And that's sort of one of the fundamental feeding rules um, and if your horse is getting a balanced diet it's showing none of the signs of aging or slowing down and you know in full fitness of health then you don't necessarily need to do anything different with the older horse just because it's at a set number but one of the things we often like to do as an owner and as Nikki you, you point out we love our old horses we we treat them as part of the family is often um, owners will like to give that horse extra support regardless of whether they're showing signs of ageing or not. And it's a bit of a buffer of, OK, let's try and give them that support before they need it. So um, a lot of the senior feeds are formulated to have an increased level of vitamins C and E particularly, which help support um, a healthy immune system and make sure things are functioning at sort of optimum ability. You've also will generally have a slightly higher protein level. So where we discussed a loss of muscle mass, just trying to help reduce the decline in that. So having that, let me say, perhaps moving to a senior feed before you notice things going wrong. Then taking into consideration the changes that are made to sort of formulations of a senior horse feed, you then have to apply that to your individual horse. So is your older horse that healthy, good doer, a native that's showing no signs of slowing down? Or is it one of the horses with the wide variety of potential ailments, whether that's one or a multitude of them that you have to take into account? 
And essentially, like I said before, with choosing a diet, if you've got a good doer, you probably, um, that's, that's doing well, you know, you don't need to make those changes, but, um, ensuring that the horse is on, on a, a feed balancer with its forage and grass is essential. So that's where we have, for example, the Spiller's Supple and Senior Balancer, which will provide everything your horse needs in a condensed ration of feed that isn't going to add extra calories that your horse doesn't need, but will make sure that they're getting all of the support that we believe the senior horse needs. And then, of course, moving on to those that are not such good doers and looking at how we optimise getting the most calories into that bucket per mouthful for these horses that perhaps don't manage to eat so well. So where we said they're perhaps fussy or, or have some kind of digestive issue, one of the things I often get people calling me on the, on the care line and asking, you know, my senior horse, what can I do with his diet? And it's really important for me to say exactly what does your horse get at the moment? And once I know that, it's about um, making sure that meal is as calorific as possible. So each meal should be no more than two kilos for um, the sort of average sized horse. And that's in your dry weight before you've added the water to any mashes. And so in that two kilo meal, and as Nikki mentioned, if we can do little and often through the day, that's even better. But going with your two kilo as your maximum meal size, um, your horse may need four kilos. It may need six kilos per day or even eight if it's you know really underweight, if you're replacing their forage as well as their feed. So sometimes I find people are feeding sort of six, seven, eight kilos of feed, but it's all a low calorie feed because they're perhaps worried that um, the higher calorie feeds aren't suitable if their older horse has some kind of metabolic issue. And actually there are plenty of high calorie feeds which are suitable for these horses with complex dietary requirements. So the Senior Supermash is a really good example of that because it's a really well-formulated feed which is high calorie for those struggling to hold their weight but still really sympathetic for those which may be laminitic or prone or PPID. Um, it's giving them the right calories. And a lot of people still seem to think that they just can't have those calories, but they can as long as those calories are coming from fibre and oil rather than the high cereal feeds. Again, I think that's where, you know, you, you will notice with your herd, you know, you have a lot that need a lot of food because they can't have grass anymore due to sort of severe um, insulin dysregulation or other complex issues. And, and again, Nikki, that's where the mash is safe to feed in these large quantities for these horses that need the calories without um, the, in the right type of calories, should I say. Yes, certainly. We, we have quite a few horses at um, Red Wings who are, have um, endocrine problems, so metabolically challenged. Um, I think um, everyone listening is probably going to be really familiar with equine metabolic syndrome, uh, where horses have insulin 
dysregulation. And these are horses, they, um, every time one sees pictures, they're very distinctive horses. They've got this um, enormous crest. They've got extra fat pads along their body. They're known for having laminitis, but not every horse with insulin dysregulation looks like that and indeed you can get horses of normal body weight and indeed indeed quite a, a lean phenotype that might have insulin dysregulation as regards our older horses as well not only may, might they have equine metabolic syndrome but as horses age you see another disease which again we're all familiar with um PPID, that's uh, the pituitary pars intermediate dysfunction. And indeed, some of the listeners may have had a horse diagnosed with that. What we have to bear in mind is up to 30% of horses with PPID also have insulin dysregulation and and um, as you rightly said Vanessa these horses you do need to feed them differently in order to lower the risk of laminitis because um, laminitis is the most serious consequence of insulin dysregulation and um, I'm, I'm, I'm again I'm not sure how familiar people are with the sort of process of insulin dysregulation and what exactly is happening but um, basically a normal horse would eat its meal and it would uh, absorb glucose um, and the body would secrete insulin and it would drive the glucose into the cells of the, the liver and the muscle and all of those parts where it's needed for energy and and it would encourage some of the glucose to be taken up and stored as fat for when it's needed later. But when you get a horse with insulin dysregulation, um, you have several issues ongoing. But one is that the, the tissues, they're not listening. So instead of taking up the glucose, they're, they're almost, if you like, ignoring this insulin. So the the body goes, oh, goodness me, what do I do? Oh, I'm going to make even more insulin and maybe then the tissues will listen. Um, and so what you find is, is, is levels of insulin build up and up and up in these horses. So if you blood test them, they've got very high resting blood insulin. And if you feed them a meal, it skyrockets in response to that meal. It's a very exaggerated response. So when, when you hear us talking about horses with insulin dysregulation, this is what we're referring to. And these very, very high levels of circulating insulin are thought to relate into why they're so at risk of laminitis. So um, as Vanessa rightly said, what we need to do is ensure we don't give them these massive spikes of, of um, heavily sugar and starch laden feeds. We need to reduce those spikes by feeding little and often, by going in with lower starches, lower sugars. And if we need those extra calories to ensure we're providing them using things like fiber and, and fats. And that's why, you know, if you really need those extra calories, sometimes you can even um, gradually add in small amounts of oils to the horse's feed, introduce it gradually so you don't cause any upset with uh, palatability first of all, but also colic upsetting that intestinal flora. But you can slowly introduce small amounts of oils into the diet. Uh, really important to match it with some nice vitamin E as well to help the horse process it. But um, yeah, in, in a nutshell, so that's why Vanessa 
Ambassador has just given this excellent advice. Um, that's the sort of background behind it. And um, so it's a it's, it's good idea to um, get some testing, some blood sampling on an older horse where, when, whenever you get laminitis because um, it's thought that up to 90% of cases of laminitis will have this underlying metabolic problem. Yeah, that's really interesting, Nikki, that it's so high, isn't it? And and um, often with these little ponies, you know, we'll regardless of their age, um, their weight, etc., we will always recommend feeding them as if they are laminitic in the first place. So, you know, prevention-type yeah. diet is always better than cure. But, you know, it's always really important to remember how much sugar comes from the grass and hay. And whilst that's a sort of a separate subject area to mm-hmm. the senior horse specifically, you know it can't be overlooked with these issues yeah and also making sure you've got a normal body condition score in the first place because something that you've mentioned several times Vanessa is looking at the sort of workload of the horse now more and more people are using older horses till later in their uh, in, in that horse's life do you know what I mean where so many advances yeah. in in general management general care veterinary ferry these horses are you know they're living to some ripe old ages which is splendid but um I think very often we forget how little work they're starting to do and when they're retired and they're perhaps pretty much out in a field, um, maybe during the winter you've got a rug on, it's important to have these really regular checks on their weight because if they start to lose weight you need to catch it early and find out why but equally these old horses they can actually do a very good job of getting overweight and uh, also they're very good at uh, I tend to find older horses are the ones that have learned to bang on the door to ask for food they're first in the in in the queue for snacks Um, and uh, you know they've worked people out they've been around on on planet earth they know they they know and I, I and I think as well, um, you know, if they're not exercising, they're not um, building up their muscles, which, um, you know, so that more of the horse is fat more, and, 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 and they are therefore burning less calories. We probably overrug some of these older horses, you know, some of them are quite chunky still, which is, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's all things we need to address because if these old horses do get overweight, it is going to worsen things for them in terms of osteoarthritis um, and it is going to potentially predispose them to many chronic inflammatory diseases by having excess amounts of um, fat tissue, adipose tissue. So uh, I loved what you said about the use of balancer because I think that if you've got one of these older horses, particularly if you're trying to diet it or it's very sort of treat orientated, you can use the balancer as your treat. And I think I, I think that's a really really good way to pre- prevent extra calories from too much random treating. You know, use your balancer for the rewards. Really good point, Nikki. It doesn't just have to go in the bucket. You can spread that out that's through right. the day to catch them from the field or whatever you need to do. Yeah, um, yeah. So, Nikki, I think we've covered a huge number of issues and topics here and your enthusiasm as always is amazing (laughs) and so we're so grateful for you for joining us today to give your fantastic advice from a totally different angle but just as much passion as we have at Spillers so thank you so much. 
You're so welcome. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Always a pleasure to spend time in your company, Vanessa. Thank you to you and Spillers. Thank you. Thank you to Vanessa and Nikki for joining us on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Horse and Hound podcast supported this month by Spillers. We'll be back in 2024. So happy new year and we look forward to talking to you then. Bye.